everyone, and thanks for joining us for our second episode of On Location. Today, I am standing on the sidewalk of Lancashire Boulevard in North Hollywood, outside of a shuttered fast food restaurant underneath a faded sign that reads Sandy's Char Burgers. Uh, and actually, when I got here, I noticed there's a swarm of killer bees uh, <laughs> uh, coming out of the, the, the post of the oh sign. Oh, my God. You're right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were actually here like a year and a half ago when I came wow. here, too. So, um, you know, the rest- strength. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, the restaurant's been closed for a number of years, but actually, before it was Sandy's Char Burgers, it was a place called Kentucky Beef, which is a sort of long, defunct branch of Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, but however, what's most interesting about this spot, which sits vacant and surprisingly hasn't been demolished, uh, is that it was featured in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back as movies, the fast food chain scene in all of Kevin Smith's Views universe. And it was also in 1985's Tough Turf with James Spader and Robert Downey Jr. But the 1985 film, Better Off Dead, I really feel like immortalized this place as pig burgers, okay? It's the fast food restaurant where heartbroken, love-stricken, high school student Lane Meyer, played by John Cusack, gets a job padding hamburgers from a pig-shaped cookie cutter. Uh, (laughs) And I remember seeing Better Off Dead for the first time and thinking it was unlike anything I'd ever seen on screen or really have ever seen since. Uh, It has a unique, unparalleled sense of humor and direction featured characters like Lane's mom, who's an incredibly ambitious cook, and uh, so much so that her concoctions actually come to life and they slide off dinner plates. Uh, Features uh, two Japanese brothers who like to drag race, and one who can't speak English, one who learned to speak English watching the wide world of sports and sounds like Howard Cosell. Uh, I could go on and on, uh, but you should really watch the film if you haven't seen it. But upon first viewing the film, you know, a long time ago, I remember seeing the the name of the writer-director Savage, Steve Holland. And thinking first, wow, that is like a super cool name. Uh, But I was also interested in who the person was who made this film and where the inspiration came from. Well, today I'm happy to say I'm standing here at Pig Burgers with my friend, Savage Steve Holland. How are you? Thanks for coming. I'm so excited to be here. It's just, it's it's so neat to be back, but it's a little bit sad. I I mean, it, it just looks so bad. I know. It just has a B and an E, and then there's some Bs. I mean, really. Actually, actually, it says B, so that's sort of a warning sign, isn't it? That's true. Actually, the burger sign has less letters on it than when I've been here before. So they just keep falling off of this place, I guess. Um, Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of your art, of your uh, photography, and um, what what I was—I think I told you once that what's so great about it is kind of there's a little bit of sadness. There's like like this this loss, you know, and it's like so beautiful because you're looking at something that was like brought you so much joy, but now it's like sort of desolate and sad as hell. Totally. Um, and this would be one of those examples. Like I just haven't been here since like 1984. And it's so like, you haven't been here since really you, think shot, so. the, you, you know, shot the I, film. I think I drove by like accidentally looking for something. I was like, oh my God, that's it. Um, but I never saw quite this this uh, destitute. It's pretty sad. It is sad. It is sad. I'm, I'm really surprised it just sits here uh, like yeah, it's this. A nice, it's, a, it's a good piece of real estate. It's like, um, I know, but it's so funny because I, I just have like, I, I was thinking about this today that like, I really believe this was maybe my second or third day of shooting was here. Oh, it was really, it was up front really. Yeah, it was really up front. And there was a lot of, um, really important things that happened here that I'll get into when you, yeah, you yeah, can ask totally, me totally. Uh, what, what sort of feelings come back to you standing here, especially really not being back here for 30 plus years? You uh, know? I guess the only thing is like, you know, for me, like, really, literally, Better Off Dead was probably one of the happiest times of my life. Like, it was just, it was literally a dream come true. It was something I was trying to do. I got out of college. I went to Cal Arts. I got out, and I was like, 
next month I'm gonna make a movie and I realized it's just it doesn't really work like that but but it was like a couple of years later but it was like every single day I was out trying to sell that movie every day I was going somewhere and some idiot was lying to me about that they were gonna make it so the day that I actually showed up and there was people here like a, a crew like it was mind-numbingly cool and um, I'll never forget like the line of trucks like up and down the street there were people that were gonna help me you know like the <laughs> most I ever had was a van you know with like four people in it you know so that it was just amazing so this always seemed to me like this incredibly magical place and now it's just a sad little oh, man. nothing burger well, I'm sorry to do that to you. <laughs> no, no, it's I'm okay. I'm sorry to, to bring you back here. No, I, I like, literally you know. got goosebumps when I drove up. I was like, oh my God, that's really it. Because because when you think back, or, or when, sorry, when I think back to it, it was this magic, it was Disneyland. You know, it had all the lights and I did all these like, um, not me, my crew did all these special effects and stuff. And it was the first time I had done like, um, C, well, not CGI, but it was like matte painting, you know? Oh yeah. So, so I think our first shot here was at, at night and it was like... Um, just a lock off and they put in all the the, the electricity oh, the lightning in the sky yeah, yeah and, and yeah. the thing was we had all these special effects so it was like you'd watch the little explosions go off where the lightning was going to hit but it wasn't there yet you know until you saw it put together and it was like my first like kind of composite uh, you know film piece and it was so magical it was so wow. cool yeah it was that is really awesome neat. that is really cool better off dead is Somewhat semi-autobiographical, yeah. would you say? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a disturbing story um, of, of like <laughs> things that were... It's funny, you brought up the Japanese guys. I was thinking about them. I, I, had, this, I had this friend named Eric in, in high school, and he was cursed with the voice of Howard Cosell. And it was he was just such a great character, and he had that, that Cosell laugh, and he was just a great guy. But when I was kind of putting the script together, I had to compress some people. And there was actually this old lady that was like the person that would really race me. It was like an old lady. But I thought that was a little bit too much like the little lady from Pasadena, you know. So I put my, my buddy Eric in. And then um, I had seen, um, I think it was like Karate Kid or something. And I'd seen Yuji or some. No, no, that wasn't yet. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that was yet. after. Right, yeah, right. Was I think after, it was but, after. But I'd met Yuji somehow. And um, I just love those guys. So I'm like, I'm making a Japanese guy that doesn't speak English so I can just add someone like Yuji Yokomoto and um, yeah he's awesome yeah he was really cool and um, funny you know and he did a great job and um, so I think his brother in that I almost I'm almost positive was a stunt guy that we um, that we hired to um, actually drive the actually car really fast it. yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but but it was fun to compress those guys and I was so happy the way that people really like in test screenings when they would pull up everybody'd be like oh no it's those guys and they love them that's awesome no they're <laughs> awesome well actually it's so funny you mentioned Yuji because your casting director was Caro Jones, yes. who, and Caro who, yeah. did the Karate Kid films. That's why I think I, I. That's why I think I met him, and that's why I think he ended up in the other, the second movie. Oh, that's awesome. Um, that's cool. But because I, yeah, there was just some. I just have a connection with him, and I, I'm too stupid to remember what it was. But there's some reason. So I mean, knowing him, kind of transformed that character, those characters and stuff. So he he was that character to me. Can you tell me about Caro Jones a little bit? Because oh, I great. know from because I've interviewed, uh, you know, I've, uh, I know John G. Avildsen a oh, little yeah. bit. So we've talked about the Karate Kid, oh, and he's fantastic. told me about her uh, contra great contributions to the Karate Kid yeah. series. So I'm wondering what you remember about her and her, you know, how, um, how she. I, I remember she was super classy, and um, that she brought in people that I just never would have thought of, and um, like um, David Ogden Stiers. Like I didn't yeah. see that at all, and then I was like, holy crap, that's perfect, you know. And he, he couldn't have been any better. And I think in a in a lot of a lot of cases, I had people that I kind of wanted in the movie. Um, you know, I I really. Like I'd seen Diane Franklin and, oh, and yeah. before, and I really thought she was great, and Amanda Wiss, and uh, of course I was lucky to have Cusack in it, uh, and then I wanted Curtis. So basically, Curtis, yeah. a, 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 except, like 
except for my leads, I think those super heavy leads, I super knew who I kind of wanted for those. But Caro Jones every fill, filled it out, you know, with a UG or somebody like that that I would I had, had no idea who they were. And then when they walked in, I was like, God, he just nailed it. Like like Dan Schneider coming in to be uh, Ricky Smith. I don't know if you know this, but like Ricky Smith in my real world was this guy from Texas. And he was like a real skinny, kind of weird guy. He was in my neighborhood. Bless his heart. And I don't mean anything mean about him. Yeah. But, but he was just kind of a strange guy. And he really crocheted. So really what we were looking for was sort of like, um, you know, a, a guy that was from Texas, kind of a, a I don't want to say hillbilly, but like a, a southern nerdy guy. And um, I just wasn't happy with what we were getting at all. It was sad. And so then Carol said... I'm gonna come. I'm gonna do something kind of crazy, and I'm gonna bring in this guy Dan Schneider, and he's completely different. And Dan just came in and just he did the thing with the snorting and stuff like that. Like he invented that uh, on the day that he did the audition for it, and it just killed. And it was just I was like I just changed my mind completely about what Ricky Smith was, and that's thanks to Kara Jones. You shot some eight millimeter films, yeah, which is kind of what which showed at some festivals, I think, right after you, yeah, you did them. Well, in that. well, actually, the way it worked was I, I got into CalArts, which I didn't know. It's, it's Now it's a really hard school to get into and stuff, but they took losers like me back then. But I had I, the, the thing was that in, in high school, um, my teachers would let me get out of class if I made a school, like I, particularly in art and um, English. Like if, they, if I was making one of my dumb little movies, they'd let me get out of class. So I was like, I'm going to make movies all the time. So that's what I did. And um, that actually, thank God I did that because that got me into CalArts. And um, CalArts was really life-changing for me because it's an, it's an interesting place. It's, it's, um, there's nothing up, well, when I went up there, there was nothing there. There was no neighborhood or anything. There was just a deli where you could buy beer, and that was about it. <laughs> and um, so what I learned there was, like, it was really hands-on because there was nothing to do. I was looking for a place to go to kind of learn how to get into Hollywood and stuff, but it was um, kind of the opposite of that. There was Because there was nothing to do, I really, like, hands-on had to learn how to... I actually developed movie film, like, mm-hmm. in my own, in a bucket, you know, and things like that. So it was kind of cool to, um, because I wasn't doing anything but that, I made a bunch of short films. And yes, those went to film festivals, but yeah. they were 16 millimeter. And um, they were pretty successful. Like, they did pretty good. Like, um, there was one that got a lot of attention um, here in Los Angeles. At, it was called Filmex, which was it's funny. We're in Los Angeles, the movie capital of the world, and there's only like one, there was like one film festival <laughs> that was here, you know? And, um, I'll never forget it because I showed, it was called my 11-year-old birthday party and it was a movie that um, was a true story. When I was 11, I, I had a birthday party and nobody showed up. But my mom hired a drunk clown and he called me <laughs> Mr. Popular and stuff and it was like really depressing. And so um, I went to Filmex t- to watch this movie and it opened for Eating Raul, which was this. Oh, uh, I love Eating Raul. Yeah, it was a Paul Bartels movie. And it love was, it. This was the opening movie. So it was, it was actually opening night. So I didn't, I didn't really grasp like how important it kind of was so um in the audience was like really big people like it was really cool so i watched the the movie and i was like wow people are really laughing you know my sad movie and it's supposed to be kind of sad but it's not it's pathetic you know so they were laughing their heads off so um then i left because i forgot i forgot why but i was i was sad about something <laughs> i got these dark depressions so i walked away and then i went for a drive the next day and when i came home um there was all these like people on my answering machine and that was back in answering machine days when it'd be like 10 would be like, what? That's a million yeah, people. That's and um, <laughs> so 10 people called me and like a couple of them were like um, Henry Winkler, for instance, like uh, he just it, called you. He yeah. called you himself. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Michael Eisner, the president of Paramount and um, wow. just just some people that were like really interested in that. They just thought it was a really good movie. And I was like, it's have Henry Winkler like on your answering machine going, you're a really smart, you know, creative guy. And I just feel like this big fat loser. And then, um, so I called him back and he said, come in. And, and so I, he actually asked me like, what do you want to do next? And I said, well, the only other thing that was worse than that, that birthday party was my girlfriend thing in high school. 
so he he said well why don't you write it you know and I'm like I never thought of that and so um I went into this um he gave me like a Xerox machine room to go and make into a little office and um I was there dip, 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 dip. and I put together like an outline for it and stuff and so basically that was the, the eventually he told me to get out but um it was eventually <laughs> uh, but but he was in a uh, the thing was I couldn't really sell it because I hadn't really made anything except for the short movie so um I Everybody said, well, you have to make another movie or you're not going to show. And it has to be in color. That was the other thing. Oh, yeah. So I took all the money I, I had and I made this little movie called Buster's First Date. And I asked Henry to be in it and he was in it. Oh, cool. Which was That's awesome. really cool. Yeah. And um, so I showed that one time and that was seemed to be enough to kind of get in, people interested in Better Off Dead. Very cool. Did I spin out on a bad story there? I can't remember if I even answered your question. No, that was good. That <laughs> I had a good. lot of coffee. No, no. No, no that's fine. <laughs> We have some water if you need <laughs> no, to like to balance down. it to balance it. Um, <laughs> um, so the film takes place in Greendale. Yeah. Okay. So where is Greendale? Like for you, where is Greendale? Greendale is Greenwich, Connecticut, which is where I'm really from, Greenwich, okay. Connecticut. So I just had the green thing, and then um, I had a girlfriend who lived in whose parents she didn't. Her parents lived in, in Beverly Hills, and I would always go by the street called Greendale. And I was like, you know what? I'll make Greenwich Greendale. See. That's pretty good. It means nothing. <laughs> no, that's good. I mean, in the movie, I think, because one of the great lines, one of the many great lines that, that Charles DeMar has is when they're about to do the K-12 and he says, everybody in the whole state of Northern California <laughs> is here, yeah. you know, which I think is great. Um, that, again, that's a whole other thing. I really thought I was going to shoot this in the East Coast. Oh, you did? Oh, you God, thought yeah. you were going to yeah, shoot in yeah. the East Coast. I really thought there, there, there was, where I learned to ski, it was like in Dutchess County. And so it's like a, maybe an hour or two hours away from Connecticut where I was. And so I really thought that I was going to shoot it there. And so then when I met the producer, Michael Jaffe, he was like, well, you're, there's no way. You know, we're going to do it for $3 million. There's no way we can go back east. And I was like, so I had to do some quick thinking, rewriting, you know. And so I kind of did the thing where it's actually better because around here you can actually ski you know sure. in, in the day and be sunny like we are right now um so it kind of worked out so greendale just kind of ended up being a little t town on the way to a ski slope because because the other thing was i wanted snow on everything because it's supposed to be winter and we couldn't do that so i had to make the excuse was that they're on the way to the ski slope right which is why <laughs> it seems like lane's house in, in glendale and also some of the drag racing scenes or over there in sort of the foothills, yes. right? It's, it's, it's sort such of like, serendipity. I swear, I, until I shot it, I didn't even think about that. I swear. So, so when you were scouting, it wasn't that wasn't no, really. No, I was something. My, my my head was down, not up, you know, like an idiot. And I was like, okay, this house will work. It's big, and we can move or put our trucks here. And then when we were up on this up on the street, I'm like, hey, wait a minute, this is supposed to be like a fake place at the foot of a mountain, you know? It works, and it was just like a, it's another one of those amazing coincidences. Totally, that yeah, that's awesome. Um, so. You were cool then, because we do see palm trees in the uh, film. So I mean, yeah. are you, well, well, again, that's why because I had to make it. It is California. It is and California. It, and if it's Northern California, you could still have some palm trees up there. Oh yeah, so, yeah, yeah, totally. Um, <laughs> when did you? At what time of year did you shoot the film? Uh, right about, I'd say it's October. I know I had my birthday, so it was like October, November. So that ended eighty four. Yeah, yeah. Were you a fan at the time of some of the other teen? Oh, films God, that yeah. were going on oh, like God, yes. were you a fan of 16 candles were you a oh, fan yeah. of the sure thing you know um did you identify with those oh movies? oh totally i mean it was sort of like i, I remember it was fast times was oh yeah fast times right. and nerds fast times and nerds yes and you know what we kind of forget about this but um animal house was the really the oh, first yeah. one totally. that, that 
that changed everything. And it was sort of like, it kind of opened the doors for, um, I think, for, for uh, nerds and stuff. Right. Oh, it's coming out. Oh, there's a guy coming. Someone's coming out. Wow, Someone's coming out of the driveway. this is action happening. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How you doing? <laughs> hey. What I learned was that I had just been fortuitous in writing a teen movie that, that are apparently kind of inexpensive, you know. Like, the company that um, made Better Off Dead had been making these, like, $20 million movies that weren't very successful. So I think that they just had this whole new idea of, like, hey, if, if nerds can be done for, like, $5 million or whatever it was and make, you know, 20, like, why don't we do that? And so that's, that's how I got lucky and got the opportunity that I got to make it. So nerds was uh, something you, you, you enjoyed, you was, some, was it influential? Totally. And that's where Curtis, and then getting yeah. Curtis and, and, uh, as, as Booger totally. uh, from there is also in your film. Yeah. So I mean. Yeah, it, it was like, uh, that was my one law is like, after seeing Curtis and Risky Business, which I oh, thought right, Risky he Business, stole yeah. that, you know, I thought he stole the movie actually. And I was like, if I could get that guy into my movie, then I'm going to have a home run, you know, and stuff. And so I just made it, I put Carol Jones on pursuing him and he was up doing the clan of the Care Bears, no, C- Cave Bears. And, um, oh, yeah. up in, and, and they had no, no phones or anything up there. And I never heard from him. So I'm like, ah, oh, he's too smart to come and do my movie. He's not going to do it. And so she found him in like the middle of nowhere up in Saskatchewan, like Canada somewhere. And he liked the script. So I was like, yes, got one. And I would say, um, like you feel like he steals risky business. I would say he almost steals your movie oh god too i yeah. mean no, he's, um, he's amazing he's, he's he's incredible you still work with him today oh yeah yeah i love him i try to put him in everything i can it's so funny because sometimes i feel like uh i get caught with him because i'm like hey i got this little tiny little, little thing he's like uh, okay you know it's <clears throat> sometimes curtis is a really smart guy and a super talented actor and what seems to happen to me is i get these super low budget things sometimes and they're like you know, it's like, it's like get somebody like Curtis. And, and then I'm like, why are we going to get somebody like Curtis when I could call him and he'll hate me and he'll do some piece of crap that I'm going to come up with. But he always shows up, which is amazing. But I, I think I paid him back by, we did an animated series that, um, that he really enjoyed. So that was good. Because, you know, you can wear your pajamas to an animated show. <laughs> right, so that was right. Good. Totally, totally. <laughs> I just want to tell people that we're standing here on Lancashire and there's yeah. like trucks and we're sta- like basically the parking lot of, of, Pig the Pig Burger, yeah. what is now just like a car lot with damage, just like wrecked cars. <laughs> so they've been like pulling cars in and out of here and loading them on trucks. So um, so this was your first feature film. So I know like for my experience going to film school, I didn't really learn about locations. Right. You know what I mean? Like oh, yeah. I learned, you know, it's just inherent because you don't have any money to make any of the movies you're making in school that it's very guerrilla and you just yeah. go and shoot things wherever you can and you get busted for things you got to move. So that's not something I feel like they really teach you in school how to properly well, yeah. scout, coordinate, secure things, you yeah. know. So I learned two things immediately from my student films. Hire a policeman. Hire a motorcycle <laughs> cop. I swear to God, it's like 80 bucks a day. And they, then you go anywhere. Like, you can... I, I had one movie with, like, actual machine guns. Like, I had I had hired a machine gun company to, like, get machine guns. And I was in somewhere in Hollywood. And But I had my motorcycle cop with me. And I was making a short film. And I had two characters shooting off machine guns. And it was 8 in the morning. And anybody peeked out, the motorcycle cop, camera, you know, it was like, it all made it legit. That would be my first piece of advice for anybody making a short film. Get a policeman on a, on a, on a motorcycle. And by the That's way, then, then, then he put like uh, my cameraman on the back of his bike while we we had some drive-through 
driving. That's shots. great. It was amazing. You got to get a cop. Yeah. That'll let you guys let you you know ride on the back. Yeah. And, you know, get tracking it's shots. Key. Now and all I don't know if they'll do that anymore, but I had the best guy, and he would do stuff like That's that. Awesome. It was amazing. Yeah, it was so cool. That's cool. So I mean, what did you learn about? I mean, pretty much most of this film is on location, right? Yeah. Did you build set? What, were no, there no, there was no set. All location. Yep. So, what did you learn about scouting and and working on location? The one thing that I learned is that you'd, that you'd never that you won't learn in film school. It's like spending nine hours a day with like a bunch of people in a van. That sucks. <laughs> For scouting, but, right, yeah, scouting, right. That, yeah, yeah. But but really, what I did learn is that you really have to um, kind of temper your uh, dream a little bit. For instance, this. Pig Burgers, um, and I'm, I'll tell the story about yeah. how I ended up here, but since it was a focal point for like becoming Pig Burgers, it kind of meant the, ne the next street, I'm trying to remember what we did next. I, I'm almost positive we were actually at the house, which, do you know if it's too far, pretty far from here? Or is the house, Lane's house? Yeah. Lane's house is in Glendale. Yes. It's in the hills there, kind of on the border of Burbank and Glendale. Yeah, it's I'm just trying to remember why we ended up here, because basically what you have, if you have a location and you have a dream of a location, Pretty much your production company is our producer is going to say to you, yeah, but we have all these trucks we got to move and all these people, so we can't go to like you know this really cool house that's in Santa Monica. There has to be a really cool house that's right next to Pig Burgers, because you might have a half a day. I don't remember how much time we spent here, but I know we had a day and a night, I think. Yeah. And um, then you know the trucks had to move, and they get they charge people money to you know teamsters to go places. So it's it's easier if like I have like two blocks away and we can actually walk to the next location, and that's really what I learned is like the convenience of a film crew and your trucks is a huge part of finding a location. Totally. And you were in the sort of Glendale, La Crescenta area for for a number of locations, yeah. right? There's, I mean, Lane's uh, and Ricky's house across, right across the street. Yes. And, um, Which was cool because, yeah. but, you know, sometimes you don't get that, but that, that in itself Totally. Was so it worked. Yeah. You were, well, that's another thing too. I mean, you guys were able to coordinate getting two houses exactly. right across the street. Yeah. And I'm curious like how that all, because, and you filmed in the houses, right? Yes. You filmed inside. Yep. So I'm wondering how it was getting those places and yes, finding two houses that would let you film and also allowing you to do some of the things that well, we you blew did out to the Lane's front house. Right. The, I know, exactly. it's unbelievable. Like, you know, the, the garage door gets totally damaged. Oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah. blow out the front window yeah. of the house. So, I mean, how did that all work? Do you remember, were you privy to <laughs> well, any of these discussions? You know, like, again, I was so lucky to have, like, people that actually do that for a living. I mean, in the old days when I was doing a short film, of course, yeah, I'd have to go up and say, I'll give you, you know, $20 if you let me shoot on your lawn, you know. But in this case, I'm like, okay, so I'm going to blow up your window and smash your drive, you know, and do all these ridiculous things. And <clears throat> to me, it didn't, it just seemed like, okay, now I've got a film crew, so we, we can do that. And I didn't know how lucky I was, you know, because nowadays, that, that was in the 80s, so it was, and again, it was like teen movies were just starting up so that lent a whole new um sub what am i trying to say it, it was it just meant that a lot more movies were being shot all over los angeles and people got wise to it eventually but back then they really didn't like they didn't know a huge pain in the butt it was going to be for their families and stuff like that i'm pretty sure we put the families up in like at a hotel and totally. stuff like that but i i would be lying if i said i was privy to it but i'm now looking back on what i was asking from people it was pretty huge you know <laughs> it is I mean, pretty you normally have like a, a set or something or build the front of the the thing but no we blew their well, I mean, windows out you, i mean did you guys put your own garage door on there yeah, you yeah, guys, yeah. so you took you took their garage door off put yeah. your yours on yes and there, there's a funny thing too that you'll notice is like um when john is hanging himself yeah and the mom's vacuuming the door comes off the hinges because the, the one thing was like the door when we were, when I finally went to shoot it 
I opened the door because she's supposed to push the door to knock him off. And it was like, oh, crap, the door goes the wrong way. It went the other <laughs> way. So he wouldn't have been pushed at all. Right. So um, I was like, okay, so the, the, of course the grips just grab the door, rip it down and put it back up. And it didn't work at all. I mean, it was like just hanging there and stuff. So when John was fighting it and she pushes the door open, you'll see it, it starts to fall off. So, and, and I think with the garage door, you know, again, everything just worked perfectly. That first one gag where, where the um, garage door closes and all the glass yes. breaks, it was hilarious to even shooting it. It was great. And I think that, <laughs> I'm almost positive that was my first shot was at the house. Because I remember my first shot, I had everything storyboarded, which is one of the reasons, again, why I got to make the movie. Because the producer was convinced that I could do it because I had it all on, on storyboards. And so I was like, look, I, you know, it's right here. Here's Did the you movie. do your own storyboards? Yeah, yeah, and they're really dumb looking. And... Um, <laughs> But, you know, the first one is just, just pan along the, uh, the um, garage oh, yeah. window. Oh, yeah, with the broken glass. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And there's another thing about that because I was, like, so proud of myself um, that I kind of was ahead of schedule because, of course, my AD, Yudi Bennett, was, like, she's used to working with real people and so, you know, who, who probably don't th do things as fast and amped up as I do. So I was, you know, she had, like, two hours for that shot and I did it in, like, ten minutes. <laughs> and, and now, and then, again, I think I did it twice, just, just the pan. And now when I look at it, I swear to God, I see somebody peek up like to see if I, I don't know if it's my dp or anything but there's a reflection in the glass there's some some human on the is crew there? yeah okay. yeah i gotta point it out too but just look at it again i, I swear there I didn't is. even notice that. i looked at it the other day i didn't even I, notice I, that. I, when i got dailies i was like how the hell did i let that happen but <laughs> but you know those are the old days where you get dailies like the next night you don't watch it on a video monitor totally. you know so i was like I, you know you have to trust that your your camera guy sees stuff like that and and he was great by the way so um but it was just one of those things where i still think I see it. I could be crazy. You just let me know. If I'm you gonna. See it. I'll look okay. at it. I'll email you. I'll let you know if I see it. <laughs> okay. Um, you're, can you tell me a little bit about your production designer? Uh, uh, named uh, Her Herman Zimmerman. Herman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Herman. And he did some like Star Trek stuff. I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's fabulous. He's. That's the other thing. I got. Um. I, I had a sort of a a TV crew somewhat for my show. Yeah, he did a lot of TV. Yeah, that's which right. Which is what Michael Jaffe, the producer, put together because he was mostly a TV movie, TV series kind of guy, yeah. and. Um, that helped our budget so much. You yeah. know, it was like having people like that. But to have someone like Herman Zimmerman, I was like, this, it was mind-numbingly cool. I was uh, amazed by his talent. He could turn anything into something. And I actually didn't even know he, he had done, I didn't even know he had done um, <laughs> Star Trek or anything like that. I was just like amazed by the people that I had. And I just thought they were just, you know, when it's your first time, you think everybody else, it's everybody else's first time. You know, it's like, hey guys, right. you're new. Let's make a movie. And it's like, Herman's like, yeah, right, kid. I've been doing this since like, you know, 1960 or Though, whatever. <laughs> I think from what I saw online, this was actually his first credit as a production designer. Oh, that's Because I think he'd been doing like art directing oh, for a long time. And wow. I think your movie was the first actually as a production designer. Oh, that is fantastic. So cool. I talked to him on the phone once, actually. Oh, yeah, he's such a sweet guy. Uh, and he told me about shooting here a little bit. Yeah, oh, my he's, God. He's, um... Well, I think he painted this. I mean, it was just it was just the dream. It was like, you know, it's funny because I think, you know, you and I had a little discussion about um, how this set, I mean, how this location came to be yes. sort of for me. Do you want me to talk about that? I do, I do. And I want you to know that I tell people this story <laughs> all the time because, um, you know, a lot of people don't know, like, what goes into location shooting? Like, and they don't understand, I feel like they don't, and I don't either, you know, I look, I can't get into your into your head, you know, like you don't want to go there. Oh, all right. <laughs> Stay out. I don't know. It seems it seems like a cool place. I mean, you know, but, um, you know, I mean, really the thought process of what brought you here. Oh, it's, you know? it's so it's so absurd. I'm so glad you um, 
you mentioned it to me because it was a long time ago we talked about it but it's it's such a silly story but i'll tell it if yeah, you please, want um, please when i had first gotten uh, out of cal arts and i was living in los angeles and i was trying to think about how to how the hell i'm gonna make a dime you know or any money um i would drive on sunset because i was like there is something amazing about like sunset boulevard it's like you really are you really feel like you're in hollywood and stuff and so i would drive by la cienega and sunset there was a cigar store there and there was this big giant Cadillac um, convertible and it said Porky on the license plate. I'm like, wow, do you think that's possible? And then, of course, I would drive by every day for some reason and I suddenly we realized that there was Porky uh, from Porky's was Chuck Mitchell, Mitchell was sitting there on a bench smoking a cigar just like you would think Porky would, you know? <laughs> and it was just so cool. And I always remember going, someday, Porky, we're going to work together. And so um, I really put that in my head that if I ever make a movie, I'm going to put Porky in it, which would be really cool. So when we went scouting locations, I, you know, I, we hadn't cast who the, it wasn't even, I forget it was Pig Burgers. It wasn't a guy or anything like that. I hadn't, I think I had Al, whatever his name was, Al somebody. And um, so I didn't really have the character at all. And then I was thinking, I, I still was like, where am I going to put this Chuck Mitchell character? You know, I, I, this Porky thing. And so I came here and this thing looked like a barn. And it's, it, it somehow it's changed or I'm remembering it differently, but I swear it looked like a barn and maybe it, no, Maybe it kind of does. Well, it's I believe the, the roof, it. you know, Yeah, and I think it was red and stuff. So I thought, my God, you know what I could do? I could get Chuck Mitchell to play a guy, kind of like Porky, but I'll call it Pig Burgers and I'll call him some other name. And um, <laughs> that was it. And so... So um, when you're thinking about all this before you even get him. Totally. So you're thinking about a location... Based on, based a, human, on an, a human being, that I saw, which is something yeah. that like <laughs> I've never heard before, like, I know. ever, and it's it, amazing. It's so insane because... Um, I, I don't, amazing. it sounds so dumb, but it's like dreams come true. It's like, you're, I was just driving there in my little dumb Jeep uh, on Sunset Boulevard saying, one day, you know, I'm going to work with Chuck Mitchell. And it was like Robert De Niro to me. It was like, because, you know, <laughs> people come to Hollywood and think they're going to see Robert De Niro walking down the street. You're not, but you really did see Chuck Mitchell. And it was amazing. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm going to pay you back for giving me inspiration. And he was great. And so anything that was funny, because I didn't know how to read him or anything. He's not, the, he wasn't the most funniest, happiest guy. I mean, he, he was really what you'd expect. <laughs> and um, which I love, but he plays a good mean guy, you know. And um, he ad libbed most of his stuff. It was like I love when he goes, "I'm going to activate your dental plan." When he's oh, like, that's a good. Oh line. my god, it's that's great. That's a great line. And, and again, I just had him, and and was awestruck by him. But I didn't really have any dialogue for him, you know, <laughs> except for the stuff where he talks to Elaine about you know what a loser he is and stuff like that. But you know, he ad libbed like his um, "This is a push, this is a pat," and all that. Oh stuff. yeah, so it was cool. Did all you have that. to convince him to be in the movie? Like, how did that? No, how did again, it... I, I put Carol Jones on it, and I think because of her um, respect in the industry, oh, totally. uh, you know, I don't know if even if Chuck Mitchell would say no to something. I don't know, or maybe he did, or, or wanted to. I just don't know. But I think when you have Carol Jones, who did the Karate Kid, you know, and I, am I wrong? Did she do Rocky or help with Rocky, or did I dream I that? I can't remember. Maybe she, she did, did some huge things, but I Maybe know she it, did. The Karate Kid I know was she's worked with John Avildsen a yeah, number of times. Yeah, yeah. So she's anyway. I, I think that really what happened was if, if there was anybody she suggested to me that I was like, God, can you really get that person to come in? She did every time. And then wow. if it was like, do you really think he'd come and show up on set? It was like, yeah, there he is. You know, it was like, wow, it was just awesome. Did you meet him before he actually no. came on set? So no. you just had this this dream of wanting to work with him, and yes. the next thing you know, you're on set with yeah, exactly. Him. And like Curtis was like <laughs> that, and. David Ogden Styers just showed mm -hmm. up. Um, there were just some people that, that, of course, looking back and knowing what I know now, there's no reason why David Ogden Styers would come in and audition for this movie, you know? <laughs> it was just hilarious to see him. I was like, this can't be happening. And, and, and what's funny is that sometimes they look around and go, 
the hell am I doing here? What is this? Who is that guy, you know? Um, and I have a really interesting story about this. When my first date here, um, we shot with um, the, we had a Roy Stalin that was a different Roy Stalin. Did you oh. know that? I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, no. I can, I, he's a really good guy. He's a sweet guy, but he 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 just um, <clears throat> wasn't really funny. Mean, you know how like um, in in um, Tom and uh, McFly, the McFly guy. Um, yes, uh, Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is such a funny douchebag. You know, it's yeah. just like so fantastic, and that's kind of. I think this is before um, Back to the Future. But anyway, somebody like that is what I was hoping for, for Roy Stalin. Somebody that you hate, but you laugh at. Right. And so I got a guy that was perfect. He was handsome and great. And he had, came from a great uh, Hollywood family. And um, he was late our first day. And when he came in to, uh, to play the part, it was mostly um, after-school specialists. Like, it was sort of like bullying. It wasn't funny. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And that was my first crisis. Because like I said, I think this is my second or third day, possibly. And I knew and the producer knew and everybody knew that this was a fail wow. and, and and knowing what I know now that I would never consider that I, I thought I had this location and that I would never come back here of course and that I had whatever I had with this guy and I'm like my movie's ruined you know it's just gonna suck now it's like I don't know what to do and just through some manipulation and stuff like we rebuilt when I say no sets but what I mean is we were up in the ski slopes wherever we were in Utah uh, mm-hmm. Snowbird and there was a kitchen there for like burgers and stuff and so we redid some stuff with the Roy Stalin character from from here yeah we had to recreate pig burgers up in up in Utah oh really yeah so just a, a piece of it yeah so when he's sitting at the table right because yeah. that's the scene yeah. where Lane falls out of the kids pushed out of the kitchen exactly and that was a fail that that, that scene was so like depressing because it just wasn't funny it was sort of mean-spirited and we just really worried that if we're going to have a bad guy, you can't have, you know, Luke Skywalker without Darth Vader, you know. But if Darth Vader do- doesn't really scare you or it just seems like a, a dumbass, you know. <laughs> right. No, and by the way, I'm not saying the actor was a dumbass. I'm saying the character totally. that he made of yeah, this yeah. bad guy was, was, was not a funny Tom Wilson kind of guy, yeah. you know. No, I got you. So that, that was the only crisis here was that we actually had to change out the actor. And it was funny because the guy... Um, Aaron Dozier, who we got to play Roy Stalin, showed up and he came up to me and he, and he was right behind me talking to me. He goes, so who's the fat surfer guy? And it was like, he was talking to me. It was, I mean, he was looking at me and he was wondering who I was, but it was so perfect. It was such a jerky thing to say, but it was kind of funny, you know? So I loved him. That was it. That was, that it. was it. it. was in, you know? So we just reshot all the stuff that the other guy did and um, it all worked out great. Wow, I didn't know ending. you recreated that interior of this up there yes, in Utah. Yeah, yeah, the outside. Yeah, just for that one throwing through the... Um, the doors and then the wee thing. Yeah, yeah. That? yeah, yeah. But you did film inside this yes, place. Yes, sir. We sure you did. did. I mean, you filmed... we, had, we had Diane doing uh, her, her the saxophone gag and all thing. that stuff. Yeah. And did you film in the kitchen? Is this yes. where he's actually patting yes. the burgers? Yep. That's why it's all orangey and stuff. And that was super cool too because the it's funny because it looks so small here, but it's like the kitchen was huge and it does go up to like the top there. Oh, so yeah. that's how I could do those Frankenstein kind of takeoffs, you know, with the chains and all that stuff. It was really, I was like psyched, you it know, cool again, because Herman made it everything work in Frankenstein-y and the, the camera guys made it look like all Frankenstein lighting. Awesome. And it was just, it was so cool. It's cool that you were able to accomplish all that in there. I, um, yeah. when I came here once, actually the, because the owner is of the Silver Saddle Motel, which is next door, which is which actually is also an amazing place. We it's should tell them in, there's uh, a horse on it. That place was in, I think, Internal Affairs with uh, Richard Gere, I think. And he's standing out front of this place. It looks like uh, a set. Totally. It and looks fake. 
they own this the, the what was Pig Burgers, and I came here once, and the owner let me go inside. He actually opened oh, the door cool. for me. He wouldn't let me take any pictures in there because he was like, I don't want people to see how this looks. And oh. apparently, in the past, you know, like, uh, you know, I guess he's had they've had problems with homeless like breaking oh. in and inside and everything. Well, so, but, but was he still renting it out to for locations? I don't think so. Then I mean, I I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the last thing I think he just didn't want anybody to see kind of the state of what it looked oh, like I inside. See. I the think there's some. Hair. I think there's some graffiti inside oh, and. Yeah. Um, and all that. And I'm pretty sure, I mean, I could be wrong, but I think maybe the last time it was used as a location was for Jay and Silent Bob. Got uh, it. For that movie. So that was a while back. It was a, it was a while yeah. back they did that. But that's really cool you shot inside here. Yeah, and um, the other thing that, really neat. The other thing that was sort of, um, I, I, don't, I don't know if it's an Easter egg, but there was the Everybody Wants, Everybody oh, yeah. Wants some poster with um, my friend Claudia. In it. Now, Claudia was the one that produced my short movie that really got this one made. And she's a great lady. Um, and she... Um, when we finally got, you know, we had all these screenings, and she worked her a off to like help me make this short film that got this thing made. So she was totally responsible for it. And then when we got to like the producers, they were like, "Man, we can't use her." And I was like, "Oh!" And of course, being a total jerk, I'm like, oh, "Okay, too bad." And bye, you know. <laughs> but it was funny because I just had to do a little um, tribute to her, so I did that big burgers poster for her. Everybody wants some. I so actually that's wanted Claudia. to ask you about that poster. Yeah, yeah it's Claudia. That's a cool and poster. And her name's, uh, I don't know if I should say it, but anyway, she's a very, very smart girl, so I was like, do you mind being in this kind of cheesecake poster? You know? <laughs> <laughs> but she's a genius. You filmed, so you filmed inside their houses, in Lane's house and everything, and you guys were there for a lot, I mean, a lot of the movie takes place at Lane's yeah. house. So, I don't know. What's it like filming inside a house where you can't move walls? Oh, my God. You it, know, like you're you're confined to whatever the space is. I really was. And it sort of was in a way good. And I'm sure that my um, UD, my AD would be delighted to hear this, that I couldn't do anything really. So it's like I didn't, you know, I was like, oh, I'm going to move the camera through here. Yeah, there aren't a lot of moves, stairs. right? No, there's yeah. not. Because there was no room. And it was also, if, I don't know, if you look at Cusack and some of them, like he's sweating his head off because it was like so hot there. <laughs> and, um, you know, there was only one shot that was... Um, that freaked me out. It was like going from um, Lane's, uh, the bathroom from Lane, and then we do a dolly move to the door that Dad's yes. sleeping in. <clears throat> now, that was a closet, okay? <laughs> so that wasn't the bedroom door. But in my little stupid, like, uh, film school mental, I was like, that's a closet. That doesn't make any sense. I can't shoot that, you know? And I made such a big deal out of it. And they're like, it's a door. It doesn't matter. He's behind the door, and you just shoot inside the door, you know? And so... um it's so funny the way you get your brain going. But anyway, so I shot the door, and then we just, of course, you know, dissolved through it to Dad in the actual bedroom, which was another part of the house. I think I think Lane's... I'm sorry, Ricky Smith... Oh, yeah, that's right. You know what? Ricky Smith's bedroom was also in that house. We just redressed, In Lane's yeah, house. Yeah, Herman just uh, redressed that. So when you first meet Ricky and he comes through, that's basically in that same hallway we started the movie in. It's just redressed wow. tacky. Was Lane's room yes. actually yeah, in the house? Yeah, and the only thing we did that was sort of, like, so sad, but we put some fake, um, like crossed on the windows because uh, I was like guys can't we just make snow outside the window or anything they're like no because now you're set with snow for the rest of the movie dumbass I was like okay <laughs> so um, you know we put this um, frost on it it looks kind of like gloop and so it's kind of funny but the only thing that's kind of neat is that because it wasn't a set, we had to do that shot where you track past Amanda Wiss's pictures. Yes. And then you come and you end up on a, on a clock. And but, but what we had to do was, like, put the bed on these sliders because we had no room. We had a real live, you know, giant dolly and went from the window along the walls. And then we had to slide John in in the bed. And if you watch, again, things that drive me nuts, you can sort of see the, the, the covers wiggle a little bit. Like the bed goes <laughs> right when you're on the clock. 
So yeah, it was really hard, but it did limit how much I could do in a, maybe a good way because I made my days every day. Did you have to do a lot of redecorating in the downstairs area oh, when you totally, went in there? Yeah. It was like, yeah, like even the wallpaper in the kitchen. Did you guys do so. all like no, that I kind of stuff? I'm wondering no. how detailed it, it actually got um, in there. With it what only, you, you know, it was only like jo joke, rela joke friendly related. Like if there's something that needed to be seen for some reason. No, I'm almost positive we just shot it the way it was because we just didn't have any budget for that. Um, I would say the dining room we probably redid because we were going to blow it up. <laughs> and we had to put... Again, if you watch the movie, you'll see sandbags after the explosion. It's like, it looks so dumb, but still Stop funny. Stop telling me I these know, things. I know, I'm sorry. Stop. Ah. <laughs> no. But, but um, no, I'm pretty sure that we didn't have a budget to like reach, reach, do anything. You know, I, I'm trying to think of one thing. Like I said, the door that opened the wrong way, that was the only thing. Where does your sense of humor come from? Like where oh, you have, like I said, I think Better Off Dead is like nothing else. Like really, and um, that's, there's nothing that's like nice I've ever, I've Thank never you. seen in any other movie, and even the jokes, but also your directing style, like the little habits that you have characters do, like with Ricky, like at outside of the school when uh, Lane and Monique are talking, and Ricky comes up and his balloon oh, flies away and he yeah. kind of goes to reach it, but mm -hmm. then it's too far and then comes back. And then when Ricky tosses that other kid's like snack oh my God. in the cafeteria okay. for him to move. like yeah. so, so where do little well, things like that come from? I have you? an answer for you. Um, <laughs> it is, and it's funny because Curtis said this, we were talking to somebody about this the other, not the other day, but Curtis is writing a book by the way. So oh, it's awesome. really cool. So um, we were talking about stuff about from years past, but, um, but Curtis said that I'm just a really good caster. Like I cast really good people. Everything you just said that about Dan and Ricky Smith was Dan, and and he would always say, "Savage, watch this." And we're like, "I'm like, oh my like, dude, we don't have time. You know, just say the lines and do it." And he said, "No, just watch this, please." And he would do that balloon thing, and like we just died. Like everybody was just falling all over each other. It's like anything that was brilliant was basically him, and anything Curtis did was brilliant. Anything Cusack did, every I, I think that the one good thing I did was hire fantastic people. Um, and as far as my dumb jokes go, though, that sometimes, you know, that were actually in the original script, that's really, um, I'd have to say it's an homage to, like, Woody Allen. Like, I, oh, my dad cool. was a really grumpy lawyer, and the only thing that made him laugh was old Woody Allen movies. <laughs> and if you watch, like, uh, Take the Money and Run and stuff, I mean, or, or any of those movies, I mean, he'll pull up in a car and step out and then fall, you know, in, into a, um, a manhole. And it's right. like the dumbest, like, Mark's brothery comedy, but this guy's doing real serious psychoanalytical comedy, but his jokes are just completely stupid. And I loved it, you know? And so it sort of gave me, I don't know, um, it gave me a chance to, like, not be afraid to do stuff. Like, like yeah. you know, the other thing that's funny that we're here at this hamburger stand, the original story that was in the script, which was terrible, was my first job was at McDonald's, and I worked there for one week, and I was told <laughs> if I ever came back, I'd be arrested. <laughs> literally arrested and and there's a whole dumb story about that but but really what I wanted to do was then get kind of revenge on like the hamburger thing because it's everybody's first job and it sucks you know and there's this <laughs> urban legend about I'm sure you've heard it about a rat falling into like oh, chicken yeah. and stuff like that so I'm like well it's an urban legend why isn't no one's ever done it let's just do it here and that's what happens to lane and there's a rat falls and a lady eats it and it's disgusting and my producer thank god uh, Andy Myers said you know this is really gross I'm like yeah I guess but I can't think of anything funnier he said think of something funnier and so uh, I was driving back home uh, listening to Van Halen and I'm like you know would be cool dancing hamburgers man oh yeah and so i go in the next day and i'm like do you think we i you know i saw some <laughs> short movie of a guy who does some claymation and they didn't say no you know they should have said no but they didn't they just said okay cool that's much more original and funny and let's do that so again it was the, this movie better off dead was just a movie where no one said no 
and I mean, it never could, happened again. Could you, I mean, could you do any of this today? No, God, no, no not no. in a million years. There's no way. And I've tried, I've tried. And it's funny because a couple of times in the last 10 years, like people are like, I've seen the movie, you know, obviously like the movies and they've been like, you know, we want to do something like that. And I'm like, okay, well, what about this script? And they're like, that's insane. You know, so <laughs> I just can't get away with it anymore. And I realized that when I went on to my next movie that was getting, my time as far as doing things that are insane was getting shorter and shorter and then just all dried up. <laughs> gotcha. Um, how did you do the shot, the, 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 the credits shot with the spaceship oh, going out of the great? roof? So they're actually walking outside of the front of the house. Yeah. His parents are out there. Yeah. But then you have the roof explode. Yeah. Let's see. I think, um, oh God, I'm trying to remember if it really was one, sh one shot, but I, I think it was. But the thing is, as long as you let the camera settle, then it's a lock off. Right. You know, if they walk out good and they're funny and stuff, you go, okay, stop. You know, we're just going to, and then we continue with the scene with it locked off. And nowadays they can do it anything, you know, but totally, in those yeah. days it was like, that to me was like I was doing Star Wars. It was so cool. And just, you know, we just had a little rough, my little stupid cartoons of it for a storyboard, but it worked great, you know? Was the roof like a... Uh, it was a perfect mat line. It, it was, was totally a perfect flat, mat line. Gotcha. And then there might have been a tree behind it or something, but it didn't matter because they were going to take off, you know, everything above the flat, straight line. And some of the guys were these new guys that were sort of like precursors of like the Star Warsy people and stuff. And I, I feel so ashamed that I can't remember their names right now. But anyway, they were like, they've all gone on to be do giant things. But um, they would just talk us through it. You know, they would just say, well, okay, we're going to hit the big lights now. So it looks like, you know, the, the smoke's coming out and stuff like that. And they, and I think we, yeah, well, then we just blew off smoke inside the, the upper bedroom. And yeah, that's right. Then we had the roof line that they just made. I'm sorry. It wasn't really the top of the roof. It was probably the bottom of the roof because then they, they built the, the real roof, like, you know, that yeah. roof, like where the stripes are. And uh, that's how they made all this stuff explode out of it and stuff like that. It's a great shot. Oh, it was it's really awesome. cool. I couldn't believe it it's when cool. I saw it done. The front door of the house has this awesome glass design right. with the circle, sort of uh, like big magnified, right. like goggles, yeah. you know, and, you know, there's that shot where John looks where, out, where he looks it's out after great. being chased. So did the house have those? Yes. It so did. it had those. So you had to kind of like, <laughs> you know, I was, the joke was supposed to be that John looks out the window, but obviously those things were weird. So we're like, let's make it funny. And he did. He made it great. So, so that was just something you yeah. guys figured out on, on the day totally. when, when you did it. That's awesome. Yeah. It was just so nice to. That's perfect. You know, it's it, like. <laughs> when things fall into place and, and you're always like, for instance, I was thinking the other day about the school. Like, like I was saying, like we had a crew and trucks and stuff. And so we moved from like, let's say I might've been here. No, I know what it was. It was it was it was the big puddle that the car flipped oh, into yep. and smashed into. Okay, so then we were moving to the school at lunch. So we moved to the school, and I don't know if you remember at the end of the, the scene in the puddle there was ducks. Which yes, is like, yes, that's yes. A funny joke. And so then, um, <laughs> so we start moving to the the school, and then I see the the animal trainers, and they're like feeding their ducks, you know. And I'm like, we're so we start you know doing the, their little scene where they start walking to the school, and I'm like. Would those ducks ever like follow them into? And I don't know. We could just launch them, you know. And so those ducks just walked after the actors, and it was great, you know. It's yeah. like John goes, "See you later" to the ducks, and it made such a good joke. But again, it was just, just dumb comedy. At things the that were there, yeah. yeah things that's, that were there. That's that really great. cool. I mean, and it all fits. It all fits in. So all of the neighborhood stuff was shot in Los Angeles, but you went up to Utah. Yeah, for so. How did it happen that you? were up there and not maybe some of the, well, I mean, was there snow in the mountains here in California? You know or like that how is, did that? That is a great question, but I think the answer is that it was the cheapest. Like I have a feeling oh. that the producers made a deal with them and, and we had, because again, it might've been the beginning of the season. You're right. That's what it was. It yeah. was like, there wouldn't have been snow well, here. Not a lot of snow there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it was and like, like October. you said, you really wanted like I wanted snow, tons snow. of snow. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, which is again a problem because like when we go up there, like, and you look at the footage, it's like sometimes there's there's snow falling and sometimes there's not and stuff. And when I went up to scout the location, I remember it was like literally like nine feet of snow, and I was like, I, this is gonna look really <laughs> weird if they just came from like right. you know, pig burgers and now they're in nine feet of snow. But it all, what we did was we sent this guy named Mike Mike Marvin who did um, ski school. Oh Wait, yeah. No, I'm was, that, was it ski school? Well, there's, I know Hot there's. Dog. Bam. Okay. I'm so sorry. I, I, he might have done like stunt work for ski school, but anyway, he did Hot Dog, which was again another team movie yeah. that had skiing. He had just finished that, so um, we hired him to go up there. And a week before we got up there, and he did all the all, most of the stuff. And everybody always laughs about the fake Diane double and stuff that looks a little bit tan. But that girl was <laughs> completely perfect double for her. But I don't know if she just had too much suntan on her or something. But it looks ridiculous. But <laughs> it still works somehow. But anyway, that's what we did. So we sent him up there. He showed us his footage, and then we just had to. You know, cut in John and um, and uh, Diane. What's it like shooting in like, I guess, freezing cold and snow? It was um, an adventure. <laughs> it was an adventure. I have to say, like the top of um, it's. I don't remember why we had to do this, but when we were at um, the top of the K twelve, we were literally at the top of the mountain, and it was probably. I think it was like 10 below zero. It was like the coldest place I think I've ever been. But it, but it had this shack around it, like nearby and stuff, so everybody could kind of warm up and stuff. But, you know, to put Curtis there in, in his pajamas, lying there, you know, snorting snow and stuff, it was a really good sport because <laughs> it was really cold. And I think what was happening was I was trying to get the mountains in the background to show it that we were really up high. Yeah. But I don't think we saw that. I think that you just see blue sky. I probably could have done that anywhere. But, like, after a really nice, like, 25 days, I think it was a 30-day shoot at the most. And um, we... Uh, we, we got like really super first uh, first rate condos and stuff because nobody was there yet. You know, it was like sort of a perfect kind of um, wrap party for the whole movie. That's kind of where we had the wrap party. Oh, so stuff. did you finish up there? You yeah, did, you which did was LA amazing. first, yeah. and you did then you went to Utah. Yeah, and that's when um, like Cusack, we asked him not to not to ski, and we asked Aaron Dozier not to ski, and of course they did ski, and they were just hilarious. So the schools. I think there are a couple of schools. Yeah, that and I'm make trying up, to remember why. Probably exteriors. Well, I think there's a shot of the exterior of Verdugo Hills High School, and I think you kind of told me about this too. There's an establishing shot of the yeah, school, right? Which is bought. Which oh, so that's yeah. a bought. So yeah, you, I didn't know about did? establishing shots. I never knew that. <laughs> I never understood that, uh, and until like three movies later, I'm like, why did I have to have that crappy establishing that didn't even look like you know it was in the, in the 80s? It was like from the 60s, and then I found out. <laughs> oh wait a minute, when I'm outside of something, I should take a picture of it. So um, I learned a valuable lesson from that actually. And then then any other time that you see like an exterior, it probably was for like Ricky leaving the um, dance. Yeah, well that's the real. That's the school that you guys were at, which I yeah. think was Clark Magnet in La Crescenta there. That and sounds right. You used um, a, a, like a bit of that place. I mean, the exterior, there's a park, the parking lot shot where, uh, oh, yeah, it's got a, where it's Beth angled. is with, uh, with the teacher driving. Yes. Yeah, that's there. And, and again, if you look at that, I hate to ruin things for you, but you'll notice <laughs> that I think, oh yeah, John comes back and he has a flat tire. There was a whole scene where the football guys like slash his tires and beat him up or something that we took out of the movie. I don't remember where it went. But so so if you look, you'll notice John has a flat tire when he sees Beth driving. Right, away. okay. It looks like now he's just such a loser that he has a flat tire, but it really was because the football team beat him up. He had a rough day. Yeah, I know, man. Horrible. Poor That's, John. I know. He, he's really, you know, some of the things he does in the movie, like uh, I think when him and Monique and Ricky are walking up to the school and, you know, the bullies come by yeah. and they tease him. And he just kind of, you know, he's so happy talking yeah, to Monique and then they so come and do the thing and then he just kind of stops yeah. and looks and walks away. And I feel like I've had that that yeah. moment before. Oh, you no, know he's what I mean? great. I mean, 
the movie really rests on John's shoulders because I, I always wrote it as sort of a, like, again, I was back to my Woody Allen thing. I always thought it was a nebbish, like it was going to be some nerd, you know? Um, and I got introduced to John through Henry Winkler because he had done the sure thing with him. Yeah. And um, I just couldn't see anybody else, you know? And John wanted to bring a, a, a piece of like reality to it, like that he's an underdog, but he's not a loser, you oh. know? It made all the difference. It would have. Oh, it would have sucked. It would have been horrible without John. It would have. It would have been horrible. I, I just did a read through um, of it up in San Francisco a couple of years ago or a year and a oh, half. Oh, that's right. You did that. That's yeah, really it was cool. really fun. That's but awesome. then uh, reading the script again, you're just like, no one would make this. It's just crap, you know. Was, so all I, the stuff we added just made it so much better. I wonder how it. Yeah, I'm curious about that. About how it reads, just sort of on the page to an audience like you know like how they, that how that they laughed i yeah. mean there's still the jokes some of them still work and, yeah. and it's funny when you put the visuals to it like my favorite joke is when when he opens the closet and there's all the beth you know hangers. oh that's amazing and just seeing that built like like that was when you say a set that was like two off set that we okay. put into the bedroom you know and um when i walked into the room and saw that i'm like this is such a win it was so hilarious and everybody came up from like downstairs to look at it and laughed you know and since it's in the first like minute of the film it's like it's great you it know it's great um but again it was just like all these talented people that just did things that I, I just thought they were funny when i wrote them but they made them so much better and like if you don't like the thing walking off the plate you know it's like you read it and it's like okay but if you see it and the way they did it, the, the special effects guys, it's That's so amazing. Cute. Yeah. Food walking, the food walking off oh, the plate. Great. It was just a wind-up toy. Amazing. It was literally a wind-up <laughs> toy that if he pressed the button that was covered with a raisin, it would start to roll. You know, so it's like, and it just drove off so perfectly with slime. Well, and John's look oh, uh, at it, his eyes just kind of like right. move over with it. Yeah, and just accept amazing. it. He just amazing. accepts it. It's amazing. Well, that's the thing, too. You have to, you have to early on you know really suspend your disbelief like yeah. in, you know what i mean like you can certainly relate to i know i can relate to the things going on in the yeah. film but you really just have to say okay like this is yeah this that is paper it. boy is crazy you know what I mean? yeah pa paper boy is crazy yeah yes no it's um, funny because they're there I've, <laughs> again i've learned some rules like i always thought that it was really dangerous that you would lose the audience with that stuff and i think the producers were really worried about that too but they were just on board, and it was so funny because the one thing that was about to get cut out was the dancing hamburgers, and I said, "Please, let's test oh, it." Because they were like, "It's great, it's hilarious, but it makes no sense, and it's it's too ridiculous." And so we tested it, and it was like it was the number one thing. Like ninety percent <laughs> of the audience liked it, you know, and then they liked Monique or something, you know. Uh, so it was like really cool that um, you just take a chance on something, and it worked. How did you do the shot then with the tall chalkboard? Oh, good question. You know, what we did. We went into the gym. We just went in the oh. gym, put it in there. So you put up a wall. You put up a wall with the chalkboard yep, there. Yep. Yep. We just built a little. Again, it's not really a set. It's not really it was, a set. It's just a but wall. it's cool how you. Yeah. You kind of combined some sets, built some stuff at the at, at the, the place. Yeah. And that was you know? like again one of my favorites when I walked in. I'm like, oh my god, because they had a separate camera for that, so you could go up and climb up this ladder that was like 25 feet tall and look down, <laughs> and, and you're like, oh my god, that looks like such a cool shot. That's so, amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's there, an amazing. There was another shot. one like that um, when John comes back from being chased by the paper boys and it was a total Alfred Hitchcock steal. Oh, the, uh, the, 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 the that from the roof looking down and yes. goes through the front door, you know? Yes. It was such a great shot. And again, I don't even know how we did that, but somebody got on the roof with a camera and put it up there. And then you have your shot 
the uh, I guess you know in the past I've heard it push and pull like out. The push, yeah, the push yeah. and pull out. Yeah, which is great. It's my favorite you Jaws know. shot. Yeah, you the know? Jaws shot. Like, I'm right, Jaws shot, and that was the perfect place for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's actually a really tricky shot to do. I, I've learned it. it was driving the camera guys crazy because the focus puller has to pull focus oh, as you're moving forward and the camera's and you're going back, going yeah, back, yeah. and it's like this whole thing. It's what makes them crazy. But he did a great job. Where did you shoot that scene with all the, the all the paper boys? Oh, see, that's another where, great. Where question. was that? Oh, that was Malibu Lake. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's a uh, little. Didn't know that. Yeah, there's a little country club there, and there's. It's actually the same. Uh, it's where um, the booger when when they were having their little picnic. Okay, yeah. And then yep. we, you know, we shot those. Oh, so that's scenes. there too. Okay, yeah. And then we right. waited till night for that because they had a pretty nice, maybe a football field kind of size grass area, and that's also where um, in Frankenstein where the Frankenstein throws the little oh, yeah, girl in the lake. Oh, that's that place, right? Yeah, it's Malibu Lake, dude. Oh, cool. Yeah. What was your thought about uh, lighting lighting that field? Oh, I, I just wanted it to be like Spielberg, you know. I Spielberg. Wanted it to be, yeah, I just wanted Jaws. I, I, I'm obsessed with Jaws, and I just I just wanted it to be like those lights that, that make, you know, shafts and Oh, stuff. yeah. Oh, my God. The scene where Lane's on the bridge, okay? You shot that. It's near, like, Highland Park, I think. Like uh, Pasadena off the 110. Way, right? It's, like, it's off the – it's near the 110 in the Highland Park area. I looked it up. I looked it up on the map. So, but you have – a wide shot of him standing on the edge of the bridge. Yes, he was so, cabled. He was, but he was on the edge of the bridge. He was, uh, he was yeah, on the other yeah. side of that, oh, that yeah, rail. Oh, it was scary. Yeah, he was there. <laughs> um, you know, normally when they do that, they put a cable. To, he's wearing like a vest, and there's a cable, and the cable goes down to a weight, and then the weight's held by a stuntman who's lying there. So he was pretty safe, but uh, that took balls because it was like that totally. was high. That's high, I know. And, and I did get him like looking down over over that and stuff. So he was he was pretty brave. Well, and also um, like doing a scene, a dialogue scene, you know, like there too. I yeah, mean, and don't forget, whole... he, and he had to get slapped on the back by Curtis, and there was no right. ramp or anything like like when he goes whoa, whoa right, right. You know, I'm like John, please don't fall. Um, oh my and, and that scene again to break more hearts was. Uh, was Curtis was saying to him like, "Hey, I heard your girlfriend broke up with you. You mind if I take her out?" So it was sort of like his whole right. life. But th that was so mean that that the, our test audience was like, "Why would he do that? He's his only friend, you know." So I'm so glad we took that out. Um, and then there, uh, then then there's the scene where he and uh, Beth are making out, and the guys steal the tires from his car, and that was like under the bridge. Like under the bridge was like a grassy knoll area, and um, we shot that when the sun went down. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. The, um, but you got, and so you got Van Halen's Everybody Wants Some to, yeah. to as, like, as part of the soundtrack here. Barely, I, yeah. I mean, that that's a pretty big deal. It right? was because I they mean, were fighting, too. That's when the band was about to break up, and it was just right under the wire, and I was trying to get... It's, it's interesting because I really wanted them to do like a soundtrack for me for One Crazy Summer for the next one, and they just wouldn't speak to each other. And I was like, even though I had like songs I wanted for it that were old songs, they wouldn't they wouldn't sell them to me anymore. So I got David Lee Roth would do stuff, but the whole band together wouldn't. So I was so grateful that I got that song. You know, the film's not really set in Los Angeles, right? So Greendale. Tell me how <laughs> Greendale. So how did you? I mean, we we learned that Monique wants to come here and see yeah. the Brooklyn Dodgers. Yeah, yeah, you know? so yeah. Again, tell me about getting yeah. <laughs> into Dodger Stadium and also tell me how you did that shot in there. Okay, you know? that was amazing. I have to say that was super cool because, again, it's your first movie and you get yeah. things like, hey, I want a helicopter. Like, okay, we'll bring it down there to, and I want it to be in Dodger Stadium. I, I mean, it's like amazing. So basically what happened was, <laughs> here's the problem. She was supposed to be like a Yankees fan back east and then um, we're shooting here. So I'm like, okay, she could be a Dodgers fan, but I don't know if that's exactly the same kind of like old school thing that somebody would come from France, right? 
So I was like, well, wait a minute. The Dodgers used to be the New York Dodgers, so maybe she's got that connection, and so maybe it classes that up a little bit. No offense to the, the L.A. Dodgers, <laughs> but I was just trying to find a reason why she would come from France to here. I see. Um, because her family had loved old, old baseball, and I don't yeah. think the L.A. Dodgers were that old baseball yet. Right. So anyway, that's what we did. And um, what we had to rent Dodger Stadium, and we did. And I had to get a helicopter. That was how that final shot was done. And um, we just, it, again, to ruin your, your movie, look, you'll see a couple of <laughs> tracks before Johnny I have noticed yeah, the lines. Yeah. So we, we had a couple of rehearsals. Never even thought that, like, when you're up in the sky, you're going to see you're those tracks. See yeah. And you do. So I'm like, ah, crap. Nowadays, you'd CGI it out, you know. But you got a helicopter in there. Yes. And I got to sit in it. and, and, and um, You went in the helicopter yes, with yes. The sh- for the shot. Oh, God. It was so cool. It was so cool. And the thing was that we were waiting That's for a night. It was great. So, so the thing was we were waiting for night. So what we did was... What are you guys doing? Oh, we're just doing a little conversation about an old movie that was shot here. Do you remember this place? <laughs> Not really. I just, I'm new to the North Hollywood area. What oh. movie are you talking about? There His were a movie. bunch. I did a movie called Better Off Dead. You probably never saw it, but it was a comedy. Yeah, I know. He never heard of it. Okay, I'm leaving. I want to know <laughs> where you got those shades. Though. I've been looking for some like that. Oh, well, these are Ray-Bans. You want to try them on? Yeah, but where can I find some? Oh, I, anywhere. They're like pretty popular now. They're just blue. The blue ones are white, like too small, you know, style. I don't like. Oh yeah, I think those that, look good. They, they look, look good on good. you. No, but no, I know. No, my color. Dude, yeah, eyeglass hat. I'm telling you, they got different styles. But I like the aviators. Mm. How much did you pay for them? I think they're kind of expensive. I think they were like a, my wife bought them for me, so I'm not going to say. But but I think it was over eighty. Oh, I can't. Do that. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See you later. Bye bye. Bye. What a lovely man. He was very I feel like nice. I want to, it'd be so cool at Christmas to get him these glasses. I know, man. Oh my God. Oh, Thanks for letting him try your sunglasses on. Oh, that yeah, was yeah, cool. Yeah, no, that was real then, nice. Then I got to see all the thumbprints that I that had. That was really cool. Uh, well, that's awesome you got into Dodger Stadium because that's an amazing. Oh, uh, oh, so I was just saying that that's that, really cool. The, the coolest thing was we had a baseball game. The crew had a baseball game at Dodger oh, Stadium. Oh, they did? Yep. We played baseball waiting for the sun to go down because after we were done with all the helicopter work, we went to shoot the scene with Joanne Greenwald, which was like about a block away, which was up in the. Oh, um, near the. So the, the, the house. The yeah. house is near there. Yep. Cool. Huh? A lot That's of things awesome. you didn't know. I didn't know A lot of things of you probably didn't want to know. know. No, I, I love it all. <laughs> Let me ask you, where do you think Lane Meyer would be today? And where he might be living and what he I, would be doing? I always had this dream that he married Monique and then they bought a uh, ski slope, like in, in um, Telluride or something like that, and raised a bunch of little skiing kids. Yeah, that was it. But then, of course, it turns out that Roy Stalin owns the mountain and is going to sell it, and then they have to do a whole thing to get it. But that's... But I think that's what happened to him. In the mountains. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, that's I think cool. He's in the mountains, just loving life. Thanks, man. I well, love that you love that you love locations so much, and you take such great photography for them. Well, but, thank uh, you for uh, thinking of me, and I love your artwork. Keep it up, man. I love looking at your, um, thanks, your photos. They're beautiful. Awesome. Thanks All a lot, right. and thanks everyone thank for listening you. and uh, joining us on location. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.